such precise accuracy that it could only be described as sinister. It was not a frightening script in her own head. It was only now, coming to her from someone else's imagination, that it horrified her. The chill she felt had nothing to do with the Castro Knights. It was because of the mind next to her. Even when the affair began, she knew it was a cliché. Still, she welcomed it. The sexual adventure, skirting the ragged margins of propriety, the emerging special connection, the tangy odor of peril, all had been a much-needed rush in the extended story of her unraveling emotional life. But, lately, their uncommon collusion was increasingly troubling, moving toward weird. It was seriously freaking her out. Tonight was too much. She couldn't do it any more. She didn't care how handsome he was, and she didn't care how insanely good the sex was. Lying there with pieces of her thoughts inside someone else's head, she decided she had had enough. She was going to end the affair. But how would that work exactly? When he called the next time, she just wouldn't answer. Could it really be that simple? Could it just end because she wanted it to end? Affairs did, she supposed. They both used assumed names that had been the first thing they agreed on, Robert and May. Did she really believe, then, that he knew nothing about her? She had played by the rules, but had he? They always met at a prearranged place and time, his idea. She never saw his car, didn't know where he lived, he had once mentioned Marin County, only vaguely knew what he did for a living, he had mentioned real estate. This protocol grew out of the tentative beginnings of their relationship and eventually developed into the rules of the affair. That's the way it was. But she couldn't leave for the last time without knowing who he was. If he knew the inside of her head so damned well, why couldn't she at least know his real identity? She sat up. Their clothes were in a pile at the foot of the bed, the physical debris of her psychic upheaval only a few hours before. She stood, walked around and crouched by the clothes, and began separating them by the pale wash from the window. She picked up his sport coat and found his wallet inside the breast pocket. When her fingers touched it, she stopped, listened. His breathing hadn't changed. She took out the wallet and opened it, and looked at his driver's license in its clear plastic pocket. Too dark. She tilted it toward the window. Philip R. Cray 2387 Leach, Mill Valley. She examined his picture, repeating the name and address to herself several times as she went through the wallet. She slipped out the money, fanned through it, put it back. She checked the credit cards, all in the name of P.R. Cray. There was a piece of paper with phone numbers. She would never be able to remember them. She closed the wallet and stuffed it back into his coat pocket. Are you leaving? She flinched, stood quickly to cover her surprise, holding her clothes. Have to, she said, dumping her clothes on the foot of the bed. Grateful for the bad light, she nervously untangled her panties, which had rolled up into a small twist. Want me to call you this week? I'll call you, she said from the darkness. My husband's got a couple of business dinners this week. I'll have obligations, but I don't know the details yet. Don't even know the dates. She pulled on her underwear. Backward, inside out, she didn't give a damn.
no bra. She picked up the white shirt and slipped it on. He was quiet. Was he dozing off? What's the matter? he asked. What's the matter? You sound tense. Uh, How about wiped out? Maybe. He looked at the windows. It's quiet. No music. It's three-forty, for Christ's sake, she said, finishing the last button on the shirt. She grabbed the tuxedo trousers, pulled them on, buttoned the waist. You in a hurry? he asked. Uh, Just need to get going, she said, stooping and feeling around for her shoes. You okay with the way it went? Why the hell was he fishing? Sure, why wouldn't I be? Surprised? Yeah, sure. What surprised you? Everything.